So welcome to another show. Today we have Debbie Henny on, who is an author and speaker. So welcome to the t- today's show, Debbie. Thank you for having me today. No problem. So tell us a bit about yourself, obviously your story and how you've come to become an author and a speaker today. Okay. Well, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, um, and, you know, my journey really started there. I was, uh, you know, teaching my kids about different character traits and working on some character development and I decided to go with the fruit of the spirit you know I'm faith-based I I'm a Christian and so I went into Galatians in the Bible and I started you know started with love and joy and peace eventually we got to gentleness because it's on the list and I thought oh I know what this is you know I'm just gonna you know I have to do some cursory prep just real quick look into it you know everybody tells me I'm such a gentle person you know all this stuff so I thought it was gonna be no big deal Well, when I pulled out my Bible reference resources, I was really shocked because when I read into it and what, how the Bible defines gentleness, I realized I had no idea what it actually meant. And it it really flipped the whole concept inside out, upside down for me. And I realized that what people saw in my life and labeled as gentleness had nothing to do with biblical gentleness, but was actually rooted in fear. And And so I went on a big journey. I started reading more, researching more. I started getting into like emotional intelligence, some of the neuroscience and the psychology. And it was so fascinating. And I used a lot of that research research to improve myself, to cultivate within myself. And then one day I thought, well, you know, if I didn't know what gentleness was, maybe there are other people who don't know what a powerhouse this is. And, And so the idea came to me to, well, maybe you should write a book. And I prayed about it, and I just really felt like that was what the Lord was leading me to do. So I went with it. So, so what is that difference then? So obviously for, for me, gentleness is the ability to not get aggressive, not get angry, and to be someone who treats people with sort of care and kindness in some respects. So what is that discrepancy then? So what did you find out regarding what you thought gentleness is versus what the Bible and the scriptures essentially say? So I would say that those things are definitely a part of it, but gentleness in itself, the very beginning of it begins with immense power. And when I realized that it wasn't just about not being aggressive, it was about using power under control to edify and to build up, to lead and to encourage. Um, That's when I realized that, you know, me choosing to not be aggressive was actually more rooted in fear than in a sense of I am coming to the situation with power and I can wield this to to kind of change it for the better and make it constructive rather than destructive and be a leader in bringing edification and encouragement and bringing connection. So what you're saying is that there's a nuance there between not using something versus actually using something is that is that the discrepancy that you're referring to there i mean in my life that's how i saw it as a big difference um but i realized that a lot of times people kind of more associated with timidity than with actually bringing a sense of power and confidence to the situation because i know you're obviously quite a religious person and i think you mentioned that you'd come from quite a christian background how was that helps your life in terms of having that bible there is something to resort to 
Um, and I know that you've obviously had some experiences with visiting heaven as well a few times. Do you just want to speak about that and how that's changed your perception um, in life? Yeah, well, I was raised in a Christian home. So Christianity is something I've always known. Um, it was a big part of our lives. It was a big part of my life, uh, family life growing up. Our lives were centered on our faith. And I think that, you know, in that journey, everybody kind of has to come to their own level of ownership of that. Like, it can't just be my mom and dad's religion or faith. It has to be mine. So, you know, growing up in a Christian household, and I think it's very common for those of us who do, there, or whatever faith there is, that you have to come to admit to owning it for yourself. I mean, for me, I had some pretty intense supernatural experiences that really solidified my faith. Um, you mentioned the supernatural um, experiences that I had. I think we had mentioned or we had talked a little bit about some of them. One of them, I was 12 and I had had a head injury and, you know, I was in a lot of pain. I was slumped over. I couldn't move. I, all I remember was this intense, intense pain in my head and all, all of a sudden it was gone. And as soon as it left, um, I felt like I was being sucked up into like a vacuum or a vortex. And then all of a sudden, and it was all black. And then all of a sudden, my awareness was, um, I became aware that I was in a place of great light and my hands were wrapped around these, bar it looked like bars and I was shaking them. I can actually kind of still hear the rattling um, if I really focus on the memory. And it was all like, there was no shadows. There were hills, rolling hills. There was a river, it was beautiful. There was some music going on uh, in the atmosphere. And I was yelling, let me in, let me in, let me in. And um, and as I did this, I saw this look like an orange ball to me. And it came over from the side and it peeled my hands off the bars, turned me around. And I heard God say, it's not your time yet. Go back and finish what I have for you. And instantly I was back in my body. I was in a lot of pain and I kind of fluttered my eyes a little bit and then I just closed them again, couldn't move again. And then again, I went up, it was all black, same thing, like a vortex or a vacuum and same thing. I became aware of this amazing land that was full of light music. I'm shaking the gate saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. And the angel came again, peeled my hands off, turned me around. And God said, I told you before, it's not your time yet. Go back and finish what I have for you. Um, so, and then I was back in my body and that was it. Had a little bit of a headache for a few days. And then that, it was kind of just a memory that I've carried with me. Uh, but certainly an experience like that really cemented my faith, you know, as being my own, as being something that's real, as being, as God being a part of our lives and somebody who loves us and cares for us and wants to be involved in our lives. There's two parts of that that really got me thinking I think the first was the fact that you said no shadows and that's actually something mm -hmm. that you remember from that memory because it's a weird thing and very specific isn't it to say but how often do you think about the sh well obviously we think about shadows but the fact that you really remembered that as a very key part I think is quite interesting especially considering that you've got the the yin yang situation the light versus the dark situation and the fact that if this is the place of light there was no shadows, which I think is is quite remarkable. The other thing is the comment or narrative of it's not your time yet. 
you you haven't finished what I sent you there for. Was there any additional information as to what that task was, or was it just a case of you you figure it out as you go along? Not at that time. Um, I will say since I since before that time, since I was seven or eight, I knew that God put me here to be like a messenger and a teacher. Um, so I have always known that my whole life. Um, and I wasn't sure at that stage at 12, how that was going to wind up looking, you know, there's specific acts of obedience, you know, that I've had to take as an adult to kind of flesh that out. But even as a very young child, I knew God had me here to teach, to speak and to be a messenger for him. And was there, is there an idea from you as to what that message is? Or is it a case of, uh, look, life's very easy in hindsight and looking backwards. And there is a phrase, something along the lines of, we have to live life forward, but it makes sense in reverse. Do you think that mm-hmm. that's the case for you where you don't know what this is yet and you're continuing to follow the, the sort of path and you're focused on the road ahead? you're not looking too much in the 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 the, um the rearview mirror at this point but when you do it later on in life it will all make sense as to to where you've come from do you think do you feel there's an element of that um I think the messenger part is that he has called me into prophetic ministry um he gives me prophetic words sometimes for the church um sometimes for individuals um again it's very much the spirit of the lord you can't control it you can't decide what he's going to say when he's going to say it how he's going to say it um so there's that element of that um i write music also some of the music is prophetic in nature again goes with the things that i'm hearing him speak over the church um so that's kind of the messenger part of it and then the teacher part sometimes i teach based on what he's speaking into the church you know he says you know i'm speaking this you know speak this into this church body and so I'll go and I'll release that message over that church body. Um, yeah. Okay, that, make, that makes sense. I've, uh, obviously, you're a person of faith. I've, I want to run a few ideas by you. Um, I, when I was younger, didn't really believe in, in inverted commas, God. Um, I think that the word itself has got so many negative connotations now with how the world is very materialistic and it's it has a negative connotations. But I think there is science that can prove the existence of God to an extent. So a couple of things first is that the word prayer is seen as a bad thing for a lot of people, especially in a secular society. But the word meditation and law of attraction are seen as positive words. But I feel that they are the same thing in some respects, but with a different undertone. That's the first thing. The second thing is people say, oh, well, is there a, such a thing as heaven and hell? How can God see what you're doing? My argument to that is twofold. One is that there has been many accounts of people when they die and come back to life, they see a flashback of their whole life. Is that for God to see your good and bad deeds in a very short space of time and to judge you based on that? That's the first thing. The second is we as humans created the camera, didn't we? And we can see what the camera sees. So if God created us and created our eyes, do you not think that he could also see what we see? So I'd be interested to, to hear your take on that and to whether 
you feel that that is a way that that we are judged? Well, going back to the prayer and meditation, I think that absolutely meditation can be prayer. Um, I think some Christian circles will call it contemplative prayer. Um, I think it's a specific type of and way of praying. Um, but then there are more verbal prayers where you're using more of your language centers of your mind and you're using your language to pray. Um, I think both are awesome. Both are beneficial, um, but they do kind of operate in your brain a little bit differently. Um, and I always tell people to both. <laughs> do both so, because so, they're both great and do different things so is it a case of when you're praying then you are sort of on the phone to god whereas when you're meditating he's phoning you to, to, to some, some degree because as you said one is a more verbal based approach and one is more about being open to information coming in i guess kind of you could kind of think of it that way i mean meditation really opens up your mind and opens up your heart to be more aware of God and to heighten your ability to understand God and the presence of God. For me, it's an incredible way to enter right into the presence of the Lord. Um, I love meditative prayer, contemplative meditation, that kind of stuff. I, I think it's amazing, um, but I will absolutely also verbalize prayers and bring prayer requests before the Lord, intercessions before the Lord, things like that. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of see, I mean, and God answers, you know, when I do verbal prayers, he'll answer if I listen. Um, but the meditation is kind of more almost like a communing and a fellowship time with the Lord, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, the, so the Bible itself, I'm not going to, suggest that I'm any type of expert but there's there's three books that I probably know better than others so book of proverbs book of psalms and book of revelation so do you feel that we are in the end times currently um with regards to revelation and if so when um not that I'm asking for a prophecy or anything where do you feel that this is going um moving forward based on your own opinion hmm so end times I think I personally think that you can, there's a lot of great scholars that argue different viewpoints and they are pretty well supported on all viewpoints. Um, I think that God left it very vague on purpose. Um, I tend to not get as caught up in that um, as I do with figuring out for today, what does God want me to do today? Um, because, and he told us in the word, you know, nobody knows the time except for the father. And there have been books come out in the past, you know, however many reasons God kind of, God's going to come back in 1982 or whatever. And obviously we're way beyond that. So um, I don't get too caught up in that myself. I know there are other people, my husband included, who really love the end times prophetic <laughs> stuff in the Bible. But like I said, I feel like it is vague. God speaks often in riddles, even, you know, when he gives me prophecies, sometimes it's a bit of a riddle. And without him unlocking that understanding, my best guess is just a guess. Um, so do I think that we're closer to end times than we've ever been? Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> but um, am I going to try to take a stab at, oh, we're at the second trumpet or the scroll or whatever? 
I think that there are a lot of great scholars and experts who have done a lot of study and they have different viewpoints. And I just think it's, it's a big riddle. Yeah. So obviously with the, with the revelation thing, as you said, it's open to interpretation. One, one thing that, um, that um, not frustrates me, but ha I have questions on as well was that there are the Abrahamic religions, aren't there? There's obviously Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. They essentially have a, a, a very similar story, but with a different in, in views on that story. So obviously the Jews don't believe that Jesus was the, the son of God, essentially. So for them, he existed, but he's not who the Christians believe he is. But then the Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, but he wasn't the main prophet. And obviously this guy Muhammad came about. Do you feel that that is quite frustrating for someone as a Christian? That there is a story that has got three different versions and obviously three different belief systems that fundamentally have a lot of the same underlying viewpoints. Yeah, it is interesting historically, you know, how they've kind of grown all from Abraham. Um, I see Jew, Judaism, you know, as a Christian, I see Judaism more as the roots of my faith. Um, and I marvel because the more I get in, the more God draws me into the prophetic, the more I realize, or I have realized, he still keeps his calendar. He's given me prophetic words, and I had no idea what the Jewish festival was coming up. And it was spot on for that Jewish festival. Um, it just kind of blew my mind. And I realized he still keeps his calendar. Um, now, are we required to in the under the new covenant? No, but it's an invitation that we're welcome to if we choose to. Um, so I see Judaism as the roots. I think that if you read the New Testament through a Jewish lens, it really pops off the page. I've been doing that the last year, year and a half, and it has blown my mind because uh, Jesus was Jewish and he was speaking mostly to a Jewish audience. So if we look at it through their culture and their history, it it really turns some of these things inside out, upside down. You're like, wow, I had no idea that this is what the context was for this parable or for this phrase. Um, it's pretty incredible. Um, now, Islam... I know a little bit about, not a whole, whole lot, I will admit. Um, but again, I my understanding is that they say, oh, the Bible is true. Well, if the Bible is true, then Jesus is the son of God. Because there's so many things prophetically in the Old Testament that point to the deity of Christ. Um, and Jesus himself referred to himself as the son of God. So if he was a great teacher and a great prophet, um, but then if he claims to be the son of God and he isn't, then he's crazy. Um, so I'm not so, and obviously, and then they kind of went into some other things. Um, I think that the greatest deceptions are those that have a little bit of truth mixed in because you kind of grab on that little bit of truth and then you can be like, well, then maybe that's true too. And that's true too. Um, and it can really wreak havoc on your mind and lead you into bondage. You know, Jesus is about freedom. God's about freedom, about wholeness. Um, so anything that doesn't lead me closer to the truth of the Bible and bringing me into greater levels of freedom, it's just not going to be from God. 
from Jesus. It's interesting about the the Jewish, um, Judeo-Christian sort of um, uh, relationship that you mentioned there. So, for, like I said, the Book of Proverbs is a real book that I you know, like like to to try and understand, and it's basically a self help book, isn't it? That still makes sense today, and it's it's like a lot of the self help books, like Thinking Grow Rich or um, some of the Neville Goddard books, are essentially those bits of wisdom modernized and presented in in the way of 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 new tech so i think that's quite interesting i've got another question then um and again this is based on a speculative uh, a secular narrative in some respects so they say people say okay i'm going to mention a quote first so there's a quote by dostoevsky i don't know if you're familiar with who he is he's a russian philosopher um wrote some very quite famous books brothers karamazov um underground man etc he's got a quote that says the darker the night the brighter the stars the deeper the grief the closer is god now i like that quote and i think that's a real interesting and important quote but the secularists would say well if god is so great and god is so amazing why is there so much suffering in the world and my argument to that is saying okay if you've got children you can't give them what they want all of the time. You can't give them as much many sweets as they want. You can't give them as much money as they want. You can't give them everything they ever want immediately because they will grow up spoiled. They won't learn how to become a good character. They won't learn the lessons for themselves. I don't know what your viewpoint is there. Is there? Do you have a viewpoint on on that question as to why there is so much suffering, etc., or is it a case of that's how nature nature operates? That is a really good question. And that is a hard one. Um, And it is hard to live through um, hard, difficult things and challenges. Absolutely. Um, I don't think there's any easy answer. And I can give you an answer. I'll give you my perspective on it. But it's not to minimize anything that anybody's going through. You know, we all kind of go through our own hard things in life, right? Every, Every one of us encounter things and they don't feel good. Um, so we live in a fallen world, you know, Adam and Eve chose to sin. It brought sin into the world. And with that is less than God's best. So I, I found that there are bad things that happen that because we live in a world where bad things happen, people make choices, you know, illnesses happen, diseases happen, tragedy strikes. Um, these things happen. But I can take that bad thing and I can use it to drive me to the Lord or I can use it or I can I can let it harden me. Um, So my response to that bad thing will ultimately determine what kind of person I'm going to become. So when things happen, that's kind of the perspective I take. Okay, am I going to let this drive a wedge between me and the Lord? Or am I going to let this draw me even closer? Um, There are times where sometimes it's a very intensely personal thing. And it's just that God's rooting out a heart issue. You know, maybe it's uh, he's digging in deep to heal an old wound. Um, Maybe it's a sin issue. You know, he's digging in deep and he's uprooting it. And it doesn't feel good. The process doesn't feel good. But the other side is awesome when you get to the freedom and the healing on the other side. So there's some of that too, you know, that if I'm holding on to something that isn't from God or it's holding on to me or vice, you know, we're holding on to each other. 
um, as God uproots that and rips that out of my life, out of his, you know, and his love for me, then that ripping out doesn't feel good, but the other side is amazing. You know, yeah. where you have that new level of freedom and rejoicing in the Lord. Yeah. It's for me, it's like, if, if you want to appreciate the summits, there has to be values to, to, be a contrast you know to enjoy your, the good parts of your life there has to be bad parts so that you can really appreciate that going back to the quote i mentioned a moment ago the, the stars are so bright because they have that dark background if there was no dark background you wouldn't be able to see to see that light so i'm a very strong believer that from every bad thing that happens there is something positive that, that can come from it so for example if you lose your job you might have to be upset and be cursing but couldn't you now find a better job closer to home with better pay? Could you start your own business? The COVID situation obviously was a bad situation and, and a lot of bad things happened. But now people have the flexibility to work from home and that's a positive. They can spend more time with their kids, with the dogs, whatever. Michael Tyson once said that the death of his mother was the best thing that ever happened to him because it turned him into a man. So do you think there's an element of that that we can't always see, as we talked about earlier, we can only see backwards the steps that made sense. And we're looking at things at that point in time saying, this is so hard, this is so bad, this is so hard. But when we look back, it's sometimes, well, actually, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. You know, I mean, it's not easy, fun, pleasant, nothing of that to go through it. But when you get to the other side, you have a whole new appreciation um, for the good times and a new perspective, and even maybe even some measure of appreciation for that difficult time. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I often uh, compare it to weather. Like, I hate winter. I cannot stand the cold. I can't stand the ice. I can't stand the snow. But I say winter makes me really love spring and summer. Because <laughs> if all I had was spring and summer, I would never know how good it is, how much I love it, and how, how good it is in my perspective. Yeah, I love I love that because it's all about perspective. So when it rains, again, I, I, you know, who who likes when it's chucking it down? But I'm a I like nature and I like mountains, and I think to myself, without this rain, there I wouldn't be able to appreciate that nature. So it's imperative that the rain is there. That's the food for the for the plants, the soil, etc. And I've got a um, I'm very much into mentality. Like I work as a coach, I'm an author self-development author and I think a lot of it's the mental side that makes someone I don't know happy successful content whatever you want to call it and I have this thing whether it's weird or not so when bad things happen to me I'm grateful they happened and yeah. people think well aren't you a bit mental you know you're grateful that this didn't work out that you lost um you didn't win but again it's how you're looking at things if you lost, you know, I, I do judo, so I, let's say I like lose a fight, I'm like, oh, do you know what? Yeah, it's happened, I'm grateful, because I've learned something from it, or I know what to work on moving forward. But a lot of people go through life playing the victim, oh, this is bad, this is bad. And if you go through every life event or every day thinking like that, you're going to have such a bad 10 years, such a bad 20 years, such a bad 30 years, because your personality and your mentality is based on how you deal with everyday interactions. So if you, obviously being a Christian, deal with every interaction and, you know, you're, you're, you're having that relationship with God and prayer and meditation, it might not be much over one day, but over a period of 10, 20 years, you're going to be a much different person than if you were 
doing some hedonistic um, activities, let's say. Absolutely. I mean, our I always say don't overlook the everyday and the mundane because it's those everyday mundane choices that really add up to character, which then determine your whole life. It's not the big events. It's not the big episode that's once and done or, you know, it's the everyday choice uh, in perspective and thought patterns. You know, am I going to choose to be thankful every day and wake up praising the Lord and finding things to be thankful for? Or am I going to complain? Because if I'm going to choose to complain, I'm going to become a very miserable, nasty, bitter person eventually. Yeah. Um, I work in geriatrics. And uh, I've seen a lot, you know, a compilation of a lifetime of thought choices. And some of them are very um, difficult, <laughs> you know, very bitter um, and can't make, you know, they can't do anything right. You can't make them happy. Um, and then some others are just always smiles and no matter what. And, and, you know, their histories, when you look at what they're actually going through and what brought them to you. Sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily make a difference. Sometimes it's the the not so bad ones and they're still miserable. And then the ones that went through, you know what, they still are going with a smile. Hey, it's okay. No big deal. You know, and they're smiling and they're joyful. And I asked them, you know, how do you stay so happy? How do you stay so positive? And they said, oh, I just let things roll off. You know, I, I choose. It was a lifetime of choosing the positive and choosing positive perspectives. And as an older adult, they're still positive and up and bubbly and smiling. Whereas the other ones, they just kind of let every single thing get them down and they would complain and complain and complain. And then after a lifetime of that, they, you know, they're very bitter and it, it, it shows. And that's when um, the light bulb went off for me. You know, as a, when I started in the field as a young clinician, I said, this really adds up. This makes a big difference. And you know, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be a miserable, nasty person when I'm 70, 80 years old. I want to be smiling. I want to be bubbly. I want to have the joy of the Lord. So I need to do my part in this. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny because the same people who complain about something is, is something they asked for previously. So they asked to have kids, but then they complain, I'm up all night. Mm-hmm. Or Oh, I wanted to buy a house or complain about the mortgage payments, but they're the things that you you want wished for. You not have things that other people are jealous of. You've got a family. Other people don't even have a, a spouse, and they want that. So again, is that a perspective that you can sort of incorporate? Because it's not what happens to you; it's how you view things that's important. It's that perspective that you that you've got. And I heard a freight. I heard something once that really gave me a good perspective. It's like out of all you and all your friends, if you were to all put your problems into a pile, I guarantee you would take your own problems back because other people have got just as bad problems as you and um, other people have problems um, that you're maybe not aware of. Bringing that back to, to prayer, for example, and again, attitude. A lot of people have the attitude that they don't want others to be successful because they only want to be the ones who are successful. And obviously, uh, in the religious side, it's about being good to others, for others, and being a service. Is that something that you think needs to be done more? Being kind to others, being happy for others' success, praying for the others, for, for example? Oh, absolutely. 
And that's in my book because kindness is part of gentleness. I have a whole chapter on how incredibly powerful kindness is for the person doing the act of kindness, for the person receiving the act of kindness, and everybody who watches it happen. Um, just the physiological uh, responses in our bodies. I mean, they've measured it. It's a, it's incredible. Um, and that kindness, that power, as it keeps going, it's almost like a snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger. It doesn't diminish um, because you keep being kind. Um, it, it's kindness is so important, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be anything huge. It can be something small, like you hold the door open for somebody, you know, you, you wait for somebody instead of rushing ahead, you know. I mean, it can be little small everyday acts of kindness that doesn't have to be something grandiose that really takes away from your time and mental and financial resources. It can be something small. Even those little things add up. I love that. The it's the kindness is good because of the person giving, the person receiving, and what most people don't think about, the people observing that. I love that. That's a really good perspective. So do you want to talk a bit a little bit about your book? that's uh that you've authored and how all of this fits in with with the kindness the gratitude etc so it's called gentleness it's not what you think and in the first part of the book i dig into the biblical definition of gentleness i went into the hebrew i went into the greek and all the way down to the hebrew letters because the hebrew letters are symbolic of ideas and concepts because it was originally a pictographic system um and then in the second part of the book i pull apart all of the, I call it ingredients in the smoothie of gentleness. And I go into the psychology of the neuroscience and I talk about, you know, the benefits of choosing this, how to cultivate this. And I have questions at the end of each of those chapters for people to reflect um, and to kind of like gauge where am I now and how can I get more of this in my life? And where can people find the uh, the book? Amazon is probably the easiest place to go. Um, bookstores will stock what they're going to stock. You can ask for it at your local bookstore, but it is available on Amazon. Fantastic. I just want to ask one final thing, because I think this is, for, for someone of faith, I think this is quite a crucial question, and I don't think there is a categoric answer to this anyway. No one can answer this, but I'd be interested to hear your, your perspective. What's your perspective on free will versus determinism? Are you... 100% deterministic, 100% free will, or somewhere in the middle? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, the Bible says that God has chosen all of us. He wants every single one of us to be part of his family, but not everybody will choose it. He's not going to take away the free will that he gave us in the beginning. That was a whole part of the deal, was he wanted people who would choose to love him. He's not going to force that choice on anybody, but the invitation is open to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I think there is an element of determinism um, of who we are, what we're here for. Um, we couldn't we couldn't have controlled a lot of the things that happened to us or the the way that we were born or brought up, for, for example. But my argument with regards to free will is to say, OK, if you are 100% deterministic, which people like Sam Harris are, I'm saying, well, so you're telling me that this person was born to die of a heroin overdose. 
And I'm like, no, that's come down to a number of decisions over and over again that's caused that. They made the decision to go to the cash point, to go to the drug dealer over and over again, to continue to take those drugs when people were telling them, Van Ren's family, this is what you should be doing. And it's a series of bad choices that has led to that. So I think that's down to 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 free will. And maybe there was something that they should have done deterministically. They were here to do something, but the choices, as I said, has veered them away from that path. And I know myself when I'm doing something that I think is on the right path, it feels right, whereas things that aren't feels wrong. I don't know about your view on that, but um I think that we're here to serve a purpose, as you said, with the 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 um at the gates analogy when it says not your time um and i hope that you can fulfill your legacy and um and deliver the messages and hopefully this is a great platform for you to do that as well thank you thank you for having me here no problem is there anything final that you want to to relay as a message that you maybe not got a chance to i just say just don't give up you know none of us are perfect um but god just calls us to keep pursuing him and every day we get up and we can praise him and every day to say okay god what do you want me to do today at my job in the grocery store wherever don't overlook the simple the everyday the mundane and you know we mess up just get up dust it off say okay god i'm gonna trust in your grace to keep pressing into the positive pressing into what you have for me great message and thanks again for being on the show debbie Thank you.